Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus All right, and we are back for another edition of the Starting 502 Podcast. As always, my name is Presley Meyer, joined alongside by Nick Connor from sunny Cincinnati, uh, where the Bengals just secured a playoff berth today. Nick, how are we doing, man? Doing freaking fantastic. Joe Burrow is the king of the AFC North, just a kid from Athens, gets it done. They beat the Chiefs in a shocking finish. I don't know if you got to see any of that, but it was it was, it was wild. They they got yeah. about 12 plays to score a touchdown and did not, and then kicked a 19-yarder to win it. But that was great locally. And then, hey, the Louisville Cardinals, 67-64 over Georgia Tech. Got a road kill, 3-0 in the ACC. Things are getting better. One without Mason Faulkner. I'm feeling great. Yeah, and, I, you know, not even a, a point that I even had on my on my list of things to talk about tonight, but that is a great point. Uh, Louisville without Mason Faulkner and kind of a shorter rotation. And we can get into that a little bit tonight. Things starting to get shored up just a little bit. Um, and, and I think that's something we'll start to see, especially in a road conference game against uh, whether we like to give them credit or not. Offensive mind and, and Josh Pastner and a team with with a bunch of really good guards who had to do a lot of stuff tonight. So, uh, no, Louisville victorious 67 to 64 tonight. What was kind of some of your initial thoughts from the win? I think that you already said it, but the shorter rotation, no Mason Faulkner due to COVID protocols, um, from what I understand from the pregame and things like that, he's doing well physically. He's just, he's still out based on the CDC guidelines and things like that and what the ACC's decided. Um, but I was really impressed with Malik Williams again. Malik is healthy and it's so good to see. And I was worried that we might get like two games on, a couple games off from Malik just from a health standpoint, but he's back. And we got to see some of that high-low action that we saw against Wake. They ran it repeatedly in the first half and in the second half. Jared West was absolutely dominant on-ball defender on DeVoe. I know DeVoe still had a great game, but man would have had 30 had Jared West not been guarding him. Really liked the guard play like you talked about. Only played nine tonight. Um, didn't see JJ trainer again, didn't see Rose Wheeler, but, but did like the rotation. I thought really other than a, a segment in the first half, never really got away from us with the five that were on the floor. Um, but, but there to start the game, I think it would be a good place to start. The starters came out really, really quality play to start tonight. 
um, running offensive sets. Um, like we talked about a lot on the last episode, more concept oriented than set oriented. And you could see that the goal was to get Malik Williams at the top of the key and let him make, make the great pass. Right. Well, we've been talking about, you know, is Malik Williams the best passer since big passer since Gorgie Jang, or is it, you know, all the way back to David Padgett, wherever you want to go, he is an elite passer. And we talked about this last time, but again, if you get him at the top of the key, he has the ability to see over the defense. He's got the handles. He has the jump shot, had several really hard drives to the basket today Had a really big dunk to start the game. I mean, it, it all starts with Malik Williams. And then it all starts with Jared West running the show on both sides of the ball. Really like to see that again tonight. And, and I, I really did like to see that even after a game with Mason Faulkner, where he really did control the game down the stretch, um, control the offense down the stretch in crunch time, that we were able to play without him tonight. And, and that was encouraging to see. I don't think it was Noah Locke's best game by any stretch. He did hit a couple threes, hit a couple from the stripe, but he did enough. He had a couple off the bounce that we got to see that, you know, we've talked at length about that as well, Prez, about him not being... Um, really the guy you want attacking in the lane, but he, he did it when he needed to tonight. And, and just overall, the offense looked much, much improved tonight. And that's the thing that I think really stands out. Yeah, I mean, I, I did think that the offense looked a lot better, but I'll, ultimately down the stretch, uh, the last game against Wake Forest was one with offense. Uh, I think the Wake Forest simply uh, had a guard that was that was better than what Louisville could bring to the table, uh, and they had to win with their offense. This game was the total opposite. At, down the stretch, they had to win with their defense. And a lot of that was what you talked about. Jared West kind of got in some foul trouble. Their guards were able to kind of close the gap just a little bit. And Louisville was not really hitting shots for, for a few segments tonight. As good as the offense did look at times, ultimately, I, I really appreciated that, that they were able to win with the defense. Uh, and and it seemed like it seems like Williams and West in road games very much set the tone for this team. I, and I think that it will probably continue to be that way. They they seem to almost thrive in that road environment, and they kind of create that extra energy and that extra juice um, that that they would another that would probably normally come from the crowd or from uh, the home environment or, or you know whatever. I, I really liked everything that Williams in wet in West did tonight, especially Williams nine double doubles in his career, his long ass career. He was a Rick Bettino recruit, right? So he's been in Louisville for a long time. He's only recorded nine double doubles, but four of those double doubles have come in the last eight games. That's that goes to just show you just how much better Malik Williams has been uh, since he's kind of almost fully fully recovered from this injury. In the same breath, I know it sounds weird to say, but dude's still a warrior. Like Malik Williams does not need to be playing. Well, he played 32 minutes tonight. I mean, his body is in no shape to be playing 32 minutes of ACC basketball. I can't foresee him being anything other than like a role player overseas or something like after after this season. I, I just don't think that he has a lot of time left in in this sounds really bad he doesn't have a lot of time on on the basketball court left in his body i don't want to say he didn't have a lot of time left in his body that sounds really dark 32 minutes tonight from Lake williams nine for 12 from the field uh 20 points that is kind of what fans should have expected from him uh if, if you didn't know georgia tech's two best bigs were out tonight and, and louisville did really well to just kind of go go at them down low mm. you have to appreciate there have been times in the past in the mac era where you felt like louisville had an advantage and they were unable to take advantage of the mismatch it was really good to just see malik williams and then dre davis off the off the bench tonight 13 points in the second half five or six from the field knocked down a three and then he just like i don't know like i don't know if he was like brainwashed tonight you know I, it, it was apparent what the game plan was when dre davis got the ball in his hands he was 
back to the basket, bully ball down low and, uh, you know, getting, getting and ones driving in the lane, really impressive second half from Dre Davis. And he was probably ultimately the X factor in the second half as well. So, so some of the stuff that we've been used to seeing from either Samuel Williamson or Matt cross, uh, that was kind of provided by Dre Davis tonight. So overall, you know, we're seeing more people step up. I like what you said about the offense looks more polished, like how they're, you know, going back to the tried and true horn sets that worked in the last game. And even though they didn't execute on offense down the stretch, the defense ultimately pulled it out. Uh, and that's, that's what you like to see at the end of, end of the day. Yeah. I think, I think what we saw rotationally was really interesting tonight. Malik Williams, like you said, the double double with 20 points, nine of 12, all of that really efficient. I, before I forget the free throws again tonight, again, they've got to get cleaned up um, from the stripe. It's just not uh, 14 of 22 is not going to do it when it comes down to it. in some of these tough ACC contests need to really shore that up. But what I thought, what I think is really interesting at this point is we've talked a lot about Jalen Withers and Jalen Withers was a go get me 10 minutes tonight guy. That was it. I need you to go get me 10 minutes. So Malik doesn't have to play 40 and we didn't see Rose and we didn't see JJ and we didn't see Gabe or anybody like that. And, and that was it. And he did a couple good things defensively, he had a nice block. Um, he, he did have a couple fouls. He stopped the ball a few times on straight line drives. And then again, had his couple offensive turnovers. And I think tonight we really saw the other players realizing, okay, right now Jalen Withers is not going to get it offensively. So we're going to have to do it for him. And I think, I think preseason McMaines and Mac probably had a lot of intentionality for Withers to get those ISO sets, you know, to, to set screens, to get him into the post and get the mismatch and then attack from there. And that's just not it anymore, right? It's just not there right now, but Dre Davis, we saw Dre Davis go in. And like you said, it was very clear from the bench. Hey, this is who's guarding you. This is a mismatch. Every time down, put your back to the basket and go to work. And he absolutely did. I mean, very efficient in 23 minutes, 13 points, five of six on the floor, two of two from the stripe. I mean, did everything he was asked to do. And I think that was the thing tonight, again, tr really trying to look at this offense as more of a concept-based offense and less of a, a setting, a, a set offense or a play offense. And you saw that tonight where, Clearly, Mac and his assistants, and it is we need to point out here, no Ross McMains, no Mike Pegues on the sideline tonight, both due to COVID protocol stayed in Louisville. And, and we it seemed like, man, we we did those things better almost without them. Not obviously that doesn't it doesn't mean anything. There's no correlation there. But we were identifying mismatch, mismatches and then going after it. And again, tonight you saw Noah Locke take good shots. You saw Matt Cross take good shots. Neither of them lit it up, but both were in double figures. You got to see that going forward, right? Malik Williams has to be a force down low and, you know, it needs to work, you know, high, low, and then work high outside. We saw that again today, like we did against wake where when he starts getting going, all of a sudden he's drawing more defenders and it's a, just a simple math game. When he draws another defender, somebody's open. And we saw a lot, a lot more cross court passes today that were really nice cross, you know, cross the, the paint passes as well. So all those things offensively were encouraging. And like you said, I'd love to win a game defensively down the stretch. I love to know that we can lock it up when it matters. Yes, I think they got a couple good looks. I thought DeVoe's look at the end was going to go down personally. And it was a pretty good look, and he did everything in sight all night. But it was good to see that we allowed a team like Georgia Tech. We didn't allow – let me rephrase that. We we shut down their, their top guys in a way where they scored and they were effective, but they were not at no point dominant. And I think that's important to note. Like there are guys that we're going to play in the ACC that are just going to get their 15 and that's fine. They can have their 15. They just can't have their 30. And, and that's something that we've seen early in the season with, I mean, Western Kentucky, you know, 
GA who, who, who hits everything in sight, right? We can't let some random guy or some role player go off and have their best game of the season. And so that was encouraging defensively. And I think you just saw a lot less blow buys defensively. I know Chris Mack likes to talk a lot about straight line drives. Didn't see a whole lot of that tonight. I'm still a little bit concerned about L Ellis. I feel like he's kind of fallen off as of late. I'm concerned with, um, I, he seems to play so fast and I know he's very, very quick and that's part of it, but he's playing too fast right now. And I think that hurts him offensively. And then I think he's, a half step slower defensively because he's trying to think through what he should be doing assignment wise. And so that, that that's a, a guard that I think needs to kind of shore it up. But again, we've talked about this and talked about it and talked about it. The rotation got tighter tonight. We had, you know, three guys play 32 minutes or more and they got the win. So, so all of those things are encouraging. Obviously if you lose this game, I think it's a completely different conversation, but you got the win against an inferior opponent. You're moving forward. You're three and zero in conference play. Just keep getting better. Yeah, I mean, you got the win against an inferior opponent, but again, without you know two important assistant coaches who uh, have definitely mattered this season quite a bit. Without Chris Mack for six games, and with the Ross, Ross McMahon's kind of being the catalyst for uh, what what this offense ultimately looks like. So to see that you know think the the show still goes on without them uh, is nice. I mean, obviously, there's reason Chris Mack makes three and a half million dollars a year, but. It was nice to see without with basically a three guard lineup tonight as well. So, and I, I think that was another reason why you saw Williamson, Davis, and and uh, Matt Cross kind of get a little bit more involved as well, uh, just because they needed some people handling the ball a little bit more. So, uh, Sidney Curry actually played tonight. I didn't even have any clue. Uh, he played one minute, didn't notice at all. Zero. He came in and then he came in and then Matt called a very quick timeout after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Can we talk about that for a second, Prez? I think there's a lot of people talking about that on, on Twitter and just is kind of out there. Matt calls weird timeouts. And I think <laughs> at some point that this needs to be discussed. Um, there's been some criticism of like the Rick Pitino era where we would hit a couple threes or get like a fast break dunk and like the arena would start to explode and we just want to like push the gas pedal down. And Mac likes to a lot when things aren't going well. And then quickly we get something to go right. He likes to call that momentum timeout. I don't know if that's the right phrase for it. But it's kind of strange how he uses those timeouts. And I think it's more for him of like, I want to coach up what I saw the last few possessions, but also now we have momentum. So I feel like maybe maybe I have more of your attention now. Um, but that is definitely something that I've noticed is he uses his timeouts in a weird way. He's not a big call timeout to shut down momentum coach. But man, when it seems like we get grab some momentum, he's like timeout real quick. And that's actually what happened in that Sid Curry moment. Well, I mean, as a teacher, I mean, maybe you could attest to this, you know, you want to give somebody that it's like when if you have a hundred things to do in the morning, uh, if you just get up and and brush your teeth and make some coffee, you know, like you got to get the you got to get the small wins out of the way, right? Well, as somebody think, who's who's the instructor, who's the head of of uh, of this team, I, that's kind of my thought process is maybe, you know, he lets them play through the the mistakes a little bit. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have a super short leash, and then once something good happens, and he's like, All right. Let's grab a timeout. That was good, but let's you know talk about the three plays before that. And he he desperately wants Jared West and Malik Williams to coach their their teammates. And you and we've talked about that before. But he he is a coach who likes to grab his assistants for the first half of the timeout and let the players talk to each other before he goes in there and addresses when he what he wants to. And I think that's part of it too. Is he wants those guys to fix the issues, and then he wants to get in there and coach up when he needs to coach up or give them that set play. And again. We've said it before, Chris Mack out of a timeout. We had three, four, five buckets tonight that were just flat out set out of the timeout, and you love to see that as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that he's become known for is he has just this arsenal of of set pieces coming out of timeouts. And I think, you know, they probably come into the game with six, eight, ten different little set pieces from out of bounds plays where they see that they can expose a mismatch if they get it. Um, and it works more often than not. Uh, we saw the play a lot tonight uh, where essentially it's it's a it's a big on the wing uh, down uh, after kind of a off off ball screen down to the other big on the low block uh, that I've never seen that not be successful. Uh, but Chris Mack only runs it against certain teams uh, and Georgia Tech happens to be one of them. The set at the end of the first half where essentially he checked in Samuel Williamson just for for Sam to catch the ball at the high post and pass it down to the low post to, to Williams. That was an excellent play. I wish that they'd run that more often. I'm not really sure why they don't. There's just certain times when he sees that there there's a mismatch to be taken advantage of. Uh, so it's really fascinating to see how Louisville in the Chris Mack era kind of takes advantage of momentum differently than, than they did in the, in the Patino era. Yeah, one more thing, and then I'll let you get back to the rotation conversation. I think Mac really likes to play that chess game when it comes to offense versus defense because I think he is a defensive-minded guy more than I think he got credit for, at least at with his time at Xavier. But what he likes to do there and what you'll see a lot of coaches do, especially late in the game, is they'll switch defensively. Like they'll come out of a timeout and go to zone for the first time all day. And Georgia Tech was going back and forth between – they ran multiple zones tonight. We're in a 1-3-1 at one point. We're in more of a 2-3 matchup zone at one point went to man once Louisville shot him out of it early. And I think some of those were like, he was anticipating Passner going back to man to man. And he was like, okay, well, let's put this set in immediately and see if we can get him to go back to the zone. And so I think he enjoys that as well. Um, and I'm always a big fan of an assistant who's like getting in his ear, like, Hey, let's switch to this, this possession and see if we can get a result. I really love late in a game when a team's like, all right, let's play zone for the first time all game and see if we can get make, you know, make them make a stupid decision. Yeah. And it seems like, uh, over the last two or three games, that's kind of been Louisville's bread and butter has been this isn't a team where you're just going to put the ball in Peyton Siva's hands and he's just going to get downhill and make a play or, you know, Terry Rozier, you know, name, you know, Damian Lee, just na name a guard or a star player, a Jordan Wara, you know, down the stretch where you could give put the ball in their hands and trust them to make a big play. Jared West, obviously, you know, we've been singing his praises since day one, but he is not that sort of athlete. He's more of like a, a system player where he he's going to make the right decision, but you need to make the right play call for him to to get put in that right situation. Like he's not going to be a guy that's going to beat a bunch of guys off the dribble. He's going to be a guy who takes advantage of a mismatch. So if Jared West gets a, you know, as a 5'10", not super speedy, not sh super shifty lateral player or anything like that, He's going to wait until he gets like a, a six, seven guy um, kind of coming, you know, the wrong direction on him. And then he'll have a straight line to the basket. I think that's what Louisville is hoping that LLS will become. But right now they have to deal with what they have. And right now it's very much just more chess pieces, kind of like you indicated. So it'll be interesting to see what Louisville does down the stretch going forward. But it seems like it's going to be very much a game to game thing. I don't think there's going to be a bunch of teams where they're going to in the ACC where they're going to get blown out by them, but they're, they're also not going to blow out a lot of other teams either. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are very much on, on an, an even playing field, and we can get in, into that as well in just a second. As far as the rotation goes, just quick comments on, on each player. Sidney Curry played one minute. I don't even know if it was one minute. I think it just has to count as one minute on, on the box score. But uh, Noah Locke, I thought he showed improvements in other areas tonight, not just 
as a shooter. You know, after last game, I said, you know, Noah Locke needs to try to be Ryan McMahon. Uh, I, I still stand firm in that belief, but I think he's obviously a better defender than Ryan McMahon. He has more athleticism than him. And he's a guy, I mean, you saw that Louisville kind of took advantage of um, Locke's kind of size in this, in this game. So uh, the other two guard, the other three guards really at any given time on the floor are not going to be Noah Locke's size as far as his height and stature. Uh, and, and they need that against a team like Georgia Tech, who is playing three big guards pretty much the entire game. Um, and so he would get up, up the floor pretty quickly and you get a quick outlet pass. And he's, he scored two buckets on those sort of plays tonight. Um, so I, I like that Locke is kind of improving steadily on defense. He's not a defensive liability. Um, and, and I like that he is just becoming more of a consistent player for a long stretch there. It felt like Locke was just not reliable in, in, in any phase of the game. And if he wasn't knocking down shots, then why is he on the floor? Um, so that was you know something that stood out to me. Uh, Jared West, is, is he the best player on this team? He might be. I think he's obviously the smartest player on this team. I don't know if you win any championships or, you know, make any deep tournament runs or anything like that with, with Jared West being your best player. But I mean, right now what he's doing is, is, is extremely impressive, you know, four assists. I do, I do stand firm in the belief that he is one of the better players on this team and maybe the most important player on this team. Samuel Williamson, I thought, you know, he got the starting nod again tonight. Uh, and I thought that he looks worthy of being a starter tonight. Uh, I don't think that he was super impressive in any area, but again, he's the best pound-for-pound rebounder on the team. He is a great, he's an excellent cutter, excellent mid-range player. Needs to improve from the line. That's I think I think that's where if there's one area where Williamson, I don't, he's not going to be a three-point shooter. Like I think we've we've firmly established that he's not a three-point shooter. But I think that if he could become in like an 80% free throw shooter from the, I don't even know what he's at right right now, but it's not good. Um, but he, he has to start knocking down more free throws because he's going to be a guy that is going to continue to go to the free throw line. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what, I, where I would like to see him, he, see him improve, but he is e- extremely important to this team. If they want to have any sort of hope of making an ACC tournament or NC tournament run, um, Malik Williams, obviously, uh, this is the best he's, he's ever been playing at, at, at the moment. Um, he's obviously still battling. You know, he, he's just his body is never going to get back to the point where it was when he came to Louisville. But he is obviously vital for this team. And there's a reason why there's some other valuable centers on this team that aren't getting any clock because he's he's that much better right now and that much more important to this team's success. L. Ellis, I, I like the speed that he plays at. I know you said it might be a little bit out of control. And at times, you know, like I know tonight he had a fast break where, you know, he made a great play on the fast break, but a guy had a chase down block where he could have just dumped it off and had an easy layup. So it's just like little, little decisions like that. I just want to see a more consistent role for LLS. Uh, I, I just want to see where he fits on this team. Uh, at, at times it seems like he's the only guy that can get a bucket and he's not scared to, to shoot and miss a shot. Like he's not scared to go to the basket and, 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 and end up, it ended up being a charge. Like he's not, he doesn't play with any sort of fear in his game. And I think that he could use just a healthy dose of just patience and just to kind of see the floor a little bit better. And I think if he can do that, he can be an extremely valuable player on this team and going into next year, he's going to be probably the guy in the backcourt unless Louisville goes out and grabs some kind of star uh, transfer. So that'll be vital uh, heading in, in the next season. So I would like to see Ellis continue to improve on that front.
Uh, Dre Davis, um, I don't know where the hell that guy came from in the second half, but I'm hoping that we see more of that. Uh, and then Jalen Withers, I mean, I don't, I don't know what he's doing on offense right now. He Withers was valuable on the boards tonight, I guess. He was serviceable, but then sometimes he just gets the ball in his hands, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? Like, he looks like a, like a newborn baby deer, and that's not to – that's not to say that he can't be better than what he is right now, but sometimes he just gets the ball in his hands. And I'm just like, I don't know what happened to the guy that we saw last season. It's, it's gotta be mental. And I'm sure um, we've seen some people that are close to him kind of indicate, you know, maybe there's stuff going on in his personal life. Maybe he feels the pressure coming from fans or from the coaching staff, from, um, you know, a professional perspective, whatever it is, but Louisville needs him to be better just flat out. Jalen Withers coming into the season, if you would have said he was playing 10 minutes in a conference road game, you'd be like, what the heck is going on? But I mean, dude cannot buy a bucket. He can't put the ball on the floor without turning it over. Uh, he can hardly pass the ball without turning it over. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm, I, he, it's, it's a conundrum. I'm not really sure what to say about that. And right now, obviously Matt Cross brings a lot to the table and that kind of brings me to, to the last player and Matt Cross, who again, Tonight, 13 points, four for seven from the field, two for five from the three-point line. One of only two players that made all of his free throws. When you have when you have that, and when you have Samuel Williamson, who is far more serviceable than than Jalen Withers right now, like you said, Jalen Withers is very much just uh, go out there and give me a few minutes without messing up too bad. And that's essentially what he was tonight. So uh, there we have it, player breakdowns. Uh, as far as going forward, I uh, know we're on a we're officially back on a school night tonight. Going forward, Louisville has Pittsburgh on Wednesday. You, let, let's hear the uh, the thirty second scouting report on Pittsburgh. What you got? They are not any good this year. Like this is easily Jeff Capel's worst team. Most people think he is out of business in Pittsburgh. Maybe even mid season this year. Um, this is a five and eight team, hundred and eightieth in Ken Palm, which is like like bad bad. This is a team that lost to Jacksonville. Or, I'm sorry, beat Jacksonville and then lost to Notre Dame last week. They've got losses to UMBC, to a bad Vanderbilt team, to a really bad Citadel team to start the season. So this is this has got to be a win for Louisville. They 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 got a little bit of some generous ACC scheduling to start the to start the season. To be quite honest with you, or to start the conference slate, uh, they get Pitt two of the next four, and they need to take advantage here in the next two weeks. We get them twice in ten days. Um, and, and it, it definitely needs to be two wins. I think as you look forward, um, you got to win these games. Like you talked about, Louisville is not going to, I don't think they're going to blow very many ACC teams out this year. That's just, it's not going to be that way. Um, they're going to win with their defense. They're going to win with making the correct offensive decisions and the correct rotation decisions and all those things. And Pittsburgh is going to have to be two wins. And quite frankly, it's one of those where <laughs> the resume can't afford a loss to Pittsburgh. So it's really that simple. You need to get it done. Um, can't get caught looking ahead here. This is an interesting spot. Um, like I said, with Pittsburgh jammed in here, NC State again here next Wednesday, and then Florida State this upcoming Saturday. So this is definitely not not a spot where you can get to look ahead um, to Florida State, which is a good team and is a trendy team right now. Um, but you got to take care of business at home. you got to win your games at home in the ACC, especially this year. Um, just looking kind of while you were talking at some Ken Palm projections, the cards are – currently projected to finish fourth or fifth in the conference, um, which personally I'm not sure gets you into the NCAA tournament this year. And that that's a scary thing to think about. Usually we're talking about, you know, whether or not 
seven, eight, nine, ten teams get in. Not going to happen this year for the ACC. This is maybe a three, four bid league. All that to say, you got to beat Pittsburgh, got to beat them twice. Good news is you get to see them twice in 10 days. So, you know, the scout really well. Hopefully you can take advantage of a poor basketball team. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at this at these conference standings and right now. Yes, Louisville is at the top of the conference. Uh, they're three and oh in the conference, nine and four overall. Um, but but the one thing that stands out when you look at their schedule right off the bat, NC State is 0-3, uh, and, and that was kind of a, a win that Louisville was hoping to hang, hang its hat on. Uh, Georgia Tech, team they just beat is 0-2. Granted, they might be a little bit better once they get fully recovered from COVID. I think that Virginia or I think that Georgia Tech still has a shot at making a run towards the NCAA tournament just because they have really stellar guard play, uh, and, and they have the experience of winning the ACC tournament last year. Uh, so I, I think I don't I wouldn't count out Georgia Tech yet, but right now that looks terrible. Uh, Wake Forest is one and two, so they're sitting just a game above Pittsburgh or excuse me, Georgia Tech and NC State. And then, like you said, they play Pittsburgh twice and what twice in the next four games uh, and Pitts zero and two, five and eight overall. Um, just just not a good basketball team. So, again, Louisville's very front loaded as far as just they have a bunch of really bad teams. Uh, on the front end of this of this ACC schedule. But when you look at the schedule overall, there are not many teams that you're super scared of playing outside of Duke. Uh, so uh, it's high to the top of the conference with them right now is Miami. Um, and it uh, doesn't feel like Miami is a team that they should be super scared of as a team that they took a loss to uh, inexplicably last season. But it's it's not a team that that I think that Louisville can't beat by any means. UNC seems extremely vulnerable this season. Virginia, this could be the year that Louisville finally gets a sweep against Virginia, knock on wood. Clemson, Louisville hasn't beat Clemson, I think, three seasons. I think the last time that they beat Clemson was the uh, crazy Jordan Wara block at the end of the game that never should have had to happen in the first place. Uh, Florida State's super down this year. They obviously still have the athletes, but nothing super spectacular. Notre Dame, we're talking about how bad Pitt is. Notre Dame just eked out a win, a one-point victory, I, I believe, today or yesterday. Uh, against Pittsburgh. So going down the list, you know, Boston College is trash. Syracuse is average. I mean, there's there's not one team on the schedule, Sands Duke, that that gives you really any pause. Barring cra- another crazy COVID pause, you know, an unexpected injury, anything like that, I, I think it's totally fine to expect for Louisville to ultimately be a top four seed in the ACC tournament. I think that that should kind of be the expectation, to be honest with you. And I think that they'll have to be, and I think they'll have to win a couple ACC tournament games to be a, a decent seed in the tournament. Uh, because again, you look at these teams, if, I, if I'm just off the top of my head, just look at the, look at these teams right now. Duke is, is a lock for the tournament. Uh, I think that Louisville's right now would be a bubble team. I think UNC is a bubble team. I think Miami is a bubble team. I think Clemson's a bubble team. I think Florida State's a bubble team. So like, there's a lot to be sorted out. Georgia Tech has to play their way in. Virginia Tech sucks. Uh, Wake Forest isn't getting in. NC State, no, not a lot of hope for them. Like, there's just, there's just going down the list. There's not a lot of teams that are probably going to get in the tournament, as you said. So, uh, this is this is a year that Louisville should be able to take advantage. Uh, they have experienced guards. Uh, it seems like they're starting to put the pieces together. But I don't want this to be a season and not to be a negative Nancy. But like you know, the, the narrative has been that that Louisville starts off the conference conference play strong and then kind of dwindles down the stretch. Uh, we looked at going into the season, we kind of looked at the at the schedule and said, oh, well, you know, they play, you know, Duke and North Carolina back to back and they play, you know, uh, Florida State in that same stretch. And, you know, they travel, you know, travel to Virginia to, to finish the season. But now you look at that schedule and you're like, yeah, all right, let's do it. I, I, I absolutely think that that it's there for the taking this season. You know, we can get into all the ins and outs of 
you know, what's, you know, what's good and bad for, for Louisville this season and, and what makes them the team that they are. But ultimately they have the pieces there to, to be pretty successful and be a top four team in, the, in this league. So yeah, go, going forward, beat Pittsburgh. Hopefully, you know, you and I are still undefeated when we actually get to do the post-game podcast. So hopefully that continues. Nick, any final words? Trust the process. The pieces are there. Coach Mack is the right guy. McMain, Spagis, Fennell. I mean, everybody down the list are the right guys. They've got the pieces. They're going to take advantage of a weak ACC. And you know what? They're going to get Jalen Withers ready to go before they play Duke. Mark my words. Dude, I love that. I love that final take. Uh, Until next time, we will see you on Wednesday. Uh, after a game against Pittsburgh. Until then, go Cards. Beat Pitt. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.